Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, ironradio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am, um, what am I? I'm an exercise physiology and a nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Lonnie sounds about as weak as I am. Uh, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, powerlifter, uh, run Strength Guild and liftrope.org. Sweet. Hey, we are, uh, I'm drinking coffee and tea, trying to pull myself together. I just got a <laughs> summer cold. It's, it's just enough to keep me out of the gym. You know, today is one of those days like, do I go in? Do I not? But you know how you get that feeling in the back of your throat? And to me, that's one of the, the lines I draw. Like, fatigue, mm-hmm. I'll drag myself into the gym usually. But fatigue plus that funny, you know what I'm talking about? Almost like a bacteria yeah. feeling slightly sore throat. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I'm not going to lose three days of training. So, for sure. So, everybody, we have um, uh, a couple of different topics today. Phil and I are going to. Uh, talk shop on the good and bad of dietary supplements a little bit on fast food and phil just got back from the junior olympics so that's what we're going to touch on today we might have a little bit shorter a show than usual but we've got the usual goodies here for you um strength and muscle sport news I'll tell you what, let me start with the fast food this is from several weeks ago it's 2013 uh statistics uh We'll talk about this before we get to the supplements uh, and then the, the Junior Olympics. The title here, this is from the newspaper. It says, Today's adults eat less fast food. The percentage of calories from fast food has gone down a significant amount, according to NHANES data. And if people aren't familiar, the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, uh, it's huge. It's sort of like, you know, scientists will put their fingers on the pulse of what America is eating. Um, in this case, over 11,000 interviews were done. And here's what they basically came up with. It says adults consumed about 11% of their daily calories from fast food in 2010, uh, and that was down from 13% in 2006. Now, you might say, wait, you said 2013 data. But remember, the data gets collected over a certain time period. Then there's a little bit of a lag while people analyze it. But, yeah, so uh, it looks like a 2 or 3% drop over maybe a – a four-year period up to 2010. It says overall caloric intake among adults remained stable during these years. It just looked like a little bit less from fast food. Now, this author, uh, Nancy Helmich from USA Today, she was making it sound like it was significantly less, and maybe 2% is a big deal. Um, But let's see, it goes on. um, There's a couple of caveats here. One, it says... In 2010, similar percentages of calories from fast food were consumed by men and women. Um, actually, it looks like men a little bit higher, 11.8 in guys and 10.9% as fast food in girls. Um, and if you look at other uh, specialty groups or other populations, let's see, other decreases. Uh, but it says overall, uh, people in their 20s, 20-somethings, all the way up to about 39 years of age, consumed 15.3% of all their calories as fast food. That's like one in six, you know, items that you eat as fast food. That's that's quite a bit. Um, 
and it says 40 to 59-year-olds ate less, uh, quite a bit less, at 10.5%, and then people over 60, uh, even less, single-digit numbers. Uh, not surprisingly, heavier people tended to eat more fast food. So one thing I think was neat was this uh, Nancy did her homework. I know Phil will get online and do check homework and check numbers and stuff. And um, <laughs> Similar thing here with this investigating reporting. Uh, it says NDP Group, a market research firm, reported some similar, similar trends. And what I like what they say about these guys is that it's not just percentages. Um, this is They broke it down to how many meals a year, and I'll do it for you, per week. It says in both 2010 and 2012, average American bought 152 meals a year at quick service fast food restaurants, and that was down from 158 per year in 2006. But if you ask me, plus or minus six meals, that's within some error, you know. I mean, but that comes out to about three times per week. So that's what the average um, adult in the, uh, in the United States e- is eating fast food three times per week. Um, it says uh, that does not include meals from fast. Uh, f- I'm sorry, full service restaurants uh, where there's waiters and waitresses and whatnot. Um, now, I'm going to ask you a question, Phil. See if you can get this. Why do you think this has come down? Why do you think – what's the underlying reason you think Americans might be eating less fast food? Do you think we're healthier in general, healthier-minded? What do you think it might be? Jeez. Can you think? There's a, there's a reason here, and I thought, aha. I, I, I don't know. It can't be less money. Yes, it is less money. Really? Yeah, it it just basically says the economy. It says the drop is mostly due to money. Good answer. Uh, Um, It says, however, if you notice that some some stats say that restaurant profits continue to go up with fast food, that's because there's actually just more people and because they raise the prices on the menus. I mean, you got to see, they got a dollar menu, too. Everybody's got a dollar menu now. Oh, don't even get me started about how backwards that is, right? I mean, how on earth is a burger for a you know like a McDouble a dollar? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the food chain. You know, the most expensive energetically are obviously the animal foods. You know, because they graze on the low quality grasses and plants and whatnot. It just shows how backwards and wrongly subsidized our food industry is. That you can buy a burger cheaper than the salad. You know, the salads mm-hmm. are five bucks. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Um, so anyway, yeah. So if you see numbers about fast food prices going up, it looks like we're a- actually eating a slightly less fast food. But like I said, not from anything noble. It's because we're the economy sucks and we're broke. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So uh, now you were telling me on the on the supplement news there. There's some yeah. Oh, uh, some news that we got sent from Sean Casey. Um, kind of brought this to light to us. Um, it's a company called Driven Sports, ran by a guy named, last name of Cahill. Um, he's being brought up on a bunch of charges. Um, he had three supplements out there. One of them was a so-called new steroid. Um, so I'm guessing one of the pro-hormone things, where, like we've talked about before, they take a, a known compound and change it enough to make it past the guidelines because it's not banned yet. And, uh, you know, it said to Cahill's knowledge, it had never been tested on humans before until him and a couple of his friends tried it for a few weeks and then threw it out for sale. Um, 
So a bunch of people that took that suffered liver, da- liver damage, and then he had oh. another uh, a weight loss supplement that was a, a known pesticide that you can talk about that was banned for human use in the 30s because it caused people to go blind. Now, I did not know that was used as a pesticide. You're talking about DNP, right? Yeah. Dinitrophenol, everybody, it's an uncoupling agent. I don't know the chemistry nerds uh, that listen or, or metabolism people will, will know this, but it uncouples heat production from ATP and useful energy production in your little mitochondrial furnaces in your cells. So you, you heat up beyond belief. Uh, my understanding is one of the first times it was described was in uh, dynamite plant workers where they were basically creating dynamite. And because it's, it's transdermal, it'll get through your skin. It's, it's like a topically active chemical. Um, they were, you know, burning up with fever. They were super hot. And it's because, you know, they were uncoupling. Their cells were just going wild. And I'm not going <laughs> to launch into the chemiosmotic theory and all this stuff about, pro, you know, proton pumping and everything. But I actually have diagrams of how this stuff works. It's kind of scary. But like I said, I think it's enough to explain that everybody knows that most of the, the food energy that we consume, we, we release as heat. Um, but, you know, a lot of it's useful energy for movement and transporting things around in your body and all that sort of thing. But this just, you just uncouple all that in just enormous amounts of heat. And I've actually known uh, bodybuilders who described to me their use of DNP to get ready for contest. And I mean, it almost just dissolves tissues. It's really toxic. Um, Liver and kidney toxic, all this sort of stuff. But um, these guys would explain how they'd wake up with their pillows and their sheets completely soaked. You know, they'd chug water when they got up, you know, because they, they're talking about burn fat while you sleep. That sounds attractive, but you start to realize, you know, this is not a drug for human use. So it's yeah. amazing that he, he stuck that in the capsules. But you said yeah. there's other stuff in there, too. Yeah, yeah, he's got another one. You know, they, they came out with this 2012 supplement of the year by bodybuilding.com, a pre-workout powder that was promised endless energy and uh, a, a, a non-government affiliated agency in Sweden and then a couple other companies decided to test on it and they found some new amphetamine-like compound in there. Um, so, That's creative. Yeah, I mean, he was stuffing anything he could into, into, into pills and whatnot, it sounds like. so. Um, and it's just, that, you know, the article goes in further talking about how just how much this happens in the supplement industry and it's not only by the you know, these small-time players. It's big, known companies. Um, that surprises me because last year at ISSN, at the International Society of Sports Nutrition meeting, there were several speakers. One, I think, was Bruce Neller, who goes and does some homework for some of these companies. But a lot of them, uh, or uh, I think Rick Collins was talking about the legalities. The FDA is really cracking down on all this kind of stuff. It, it really started to become my opinion that the days were gone from like the the film Bigger, Stronger, Faster, where you could just cram anything into a capsule and sell it. Yeah. Um, but obviously they get away with it for a while. You know. Wow. Yeah, for sure. That's so. scary stuff. Uh, also in supplement news, before we go to break, um, I'm sure listeners have heard about the fish oil and prostate cancer thing. And I was curious about it. And they actually did an interview with the researcher... Uh, who did some of this epidemiological research. And epidemiology, of course, is just a fancy word for looking for trends in the population. It's not cause and effect. You know? So you might see something like you know, Japanese fishermen, they consume more green tea, they have less body fat. Oh, maybe there's a link there. Well, 
It could also be their physical activity level or their soy intake or, you know, whatever, lean seafood intake. You know what I'm saying? So it's not cause and effect. And uh, we've fussed on this on the show. I do all the time that, you know, correlations is not cause and effect. In fact, when Lane Norton was on, he was he was had the same gripes, you know. But anyway, so there was a correlation between the amount of omega-3 um, content uh, in a person's blood and tissues, apparently, and advanced stage prostate cancer. But again, you know, it could be any number of things. This guy, though, he, uh, as I listened to the interview, at first I started to agree with him. But then I started to become, you know, sort of skeptical and even shocked about what this guy was saying. First of all, he was very smug. He's basically saying there's no good research on fish oils. They don't do anything. Only his research apparently is quality research. I was just stunned at the, at the arrogance. Um, I have hundreds of studies on my hard drive, everything from less inflammation to less, you know, mild to moderate depression, you know, and body fat reductions in people who exercise and take omega-3s. I mean, there, trust me, listeners, there is an enormous amount of data. And this guy, here's his stance, and this is what started to irritate me. He was basically saying, everybody is just so credulous. They're so gullible. They want these things to work um, that they're willing to, you know, do poor quality research to make it, you know, or, or any little hint they get, they jump the gun and they make quantum leaps that this stuff is so great. But I am skeptical. I'm a scientist. And, and again, check out the Science Friday interview. Um, I get irritated by some of these, you know, um, interviews. But it's, it's a fairly brief segment. I think it's 20 minutes long. And you can go judge for yourself. Maybe I'm just sensitive to this. But he was almost coming across like he's strong enough mentally to be skeptical and the rest of us are not. Um, and sort of patting himself on the back. And then he started anti-supplement banter. I mean, it wasn't just fish oils. It was everything. No supplements work. There's no data on any supplement of any kind anywhere, you know, that's, that impresses this guy or is valid. And I'm just like, you can't be serious. Let me give you a couple hundred milligrams of caffeine, smartass. You know, we'll see what that is. Now, you might argue that's a, you know, a, a drug, but, you know, one of these pre, pre-workout things with the herbal sources or whatever. But, um, there was a disclaimer at the beginning that Ira Flato, the host of Science Friday, he's like, this is just correlation. It's not cause and effect, you know. And, and when this guy started saying that the omega-3 fats do nothing and the supplements do nothing, uh, the host even questioned him on that a little bit. But So I think this guy is uh, – he's letting his human side um, interfere. Like he has very strong uh, subjective personal opinions about dietary supplements – First, I think we have to be careful, right? Although he he will acknowledge, and of course I'm sure he acknowledges in his paper, or it wouldn't even have been published, that omega-3 concentrations in your blood or your tissues, that doesn't mean from pills, you know, or capsules. Um, there's, there's other things that can actually change omega-3 concentrations. Just when you work out, even if you don't supplement or eat salmon, just working out will raise the omega-3 to omega-6 ratio in your, in your tissues, for example. Mm-hmm. So... Um, he was making quantum leaps about the amount of, you know, salmon, you know, is, you know, not helpful. And then, like I said, even further leaps to supplements. And I'm like, all, you're de- all you've demonstrated is that there's a link between omega-3 content and advanced prostate cancer, which is actually the rarer kind, right? Lots of guys get prostate cancer. It's sort of a, a slow smoldering thing, and they get it when they're older. And honestly, that's not even what kills them in the end, you know, um, 
and this research has been around for a long time, the link between omega-3s, not just the fish oils, but, you know, the plant omega-3, which is linolenic acid, like in flax and walnuts and whatnot. Um, but these are healthy foods in general, you know, and I think on some level, you've just got to come to the conclusion that even if there is a cause and effect relationship there, um, if I'm happier, leaner, and less inflamed for the next 50 years, and I end up with prostate cancer in my 70s or 80s, well, maybe that's a reasonable trade-off, you know, especially if you struggle with depression or inflammation or body fatness or some of these other things. So, um, I don't know. I think this guy got a lot of attention, and he's very negative about supplements. I don't know how he launched into his anti-supplement tirade in general, because his research says nothing about any dietary supplement, but very opinionated and so it's kind of the flip side of what you're saying phil on one on the one yeah. side we've got the dirty parts of the industry you know and on the other side you've got clinicians trying to make everything wrong you know trying to get attention for balking everything and you know being so skeptical they're honestly they're just as guilty as the dirty parties because they're trying to prove a point instead of just observe and record you know yeah so um supplement stuff all over the news i guess lately but i would encourage people to check out the science friday interview if you want to go right to the heart of the matter because there's a lot of people around the fitness and sports nutrition industry writing about this check it out it's a 20 minute interview it, you know it's a legitimate source through npr and you can get it from the horse's mouth and you can see what i'm talking about i just don't i, I don't see how this guy could possibly say there's no evidence about omega-3 intake for any health purposes and then condemn supplements in general. The only thing he can see that was that folate may reduce birth defects. It's really the only nutritional data that he can think of that's of any worth at all. And that just stuns me. It's, it's just stunning to me anyway. Yeah. And I'll go ahead and post up that article uh, about that Cahill. And it goes into depth about how he, I mean, he even goes into how he, um, it was super jaw was the the pro hormone he put out there. Okay. And how he found that and this and that. Oh, kind of interesting. yeah, good point. You know, you made a good point on our Facebook page here. Uh, mentioned this before we go to break, but um, you know, these designer steroids, they're risky because they're such uncharted territory. You know, they make it sound like it's edgy and black market, but yeah, when uncharted means liver <laughs> transplant or blindness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that would yeah. interfere with your training. <laughs> yeah, just a touch, and and that's the bad thing is, I mean, I mean, a lot of it is they take something that is illegal, and even though it's illegal, it's very well tested. The side effects are known. They change it slightly, and now you don't. It's it's legal in very loose terms, but you have no clue what it freaking does. Exactly. And <laughs> in order so. to avoid the Anabolic Steroids Control Act. They'll yeah. change one atom, and they did this with lots of pro-hormones, but early on yeah. it was fairly innocuous. Androstene dione uh, became yeah. androstene diol, or norandro, or nordiol. Yes. They were tweaking, you know, basically testosterone and DECA, you know, nandrolone. But then they had to become increasingly creative, and over the past several years, I can never make, you know, be sure if the, uh, the pro-steroids are... Are they on the market again? Are they off? It's because basically yeah. they'll tweak it by a hydrogen atom, you know, the tiniest of all, you know, uh, atoms, and then get away with it for a while because that new designer steroid is not on the official list. But what you said, which I thought was funny, which, which is true, which is, you know, the difference between water and hydrogen peroxide, which is 
wickedly reactive stuff you put on a cut <laughs> is a hydrogen atom, you know. Yes. And there's only exactly. a few hydrogen atoms different between testosterone and estrogen. And I think yeah. most of our male listeners would not want to inject <laughs> estrogen. Yeah. You know, so um, that's what uncharted means. And like you said, unfortunately, that's what some of those acts do. You know, there's so much paranoia around testosterone. And we've had guests talk about how, I think it might have been Dave Tate, um, about you know it's actually illegal to be excessively man. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It, 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 it's yeah. a federal offense, you know, for this kind of stuff. Oh, maybe it was Wendler. I can't remember. It might have been. It was Wendler. That, yeah. But you know, I, I bet those guys are of similar opinion on that. You know, this, it's yeah. a federal crime to be excess male, and yet these companies will, like you said, they'll tweak the molecule and it does all kinds of heinous crap to people. Um, yeah. But it's not one of the illegal ones, at least not until they the feds catch up with them. Yeah, not yet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So sad. One of those things are trying to stay a step ahead. I, so. I have heard, I heard tales. Even when I was up north, there was a uh, one of my students. He he was boatloading it because that's what people did with the pro hormones. You know, yes. at the suggested dose they were weak, but when you take yes. multigram quantities, you could get a steroid-like effect. Um, but you know, at the same time, lots of bloat. You know, yeah. it didn't look good. <laughs> it just didn't yeah. look good. Yeah, you put on 25 pounds, dude, but you look like hell. You're purple. You're bloated. You know, yeah. what's that yellow in your eyes? You know, little jaundice, are we? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't know. And I think one of the guys on our uh, Facebook um, page, if he's listening, he'll say, oh, that was me. But he said something about that pro, pro-hormones, pro-steroids were the Kia of anabolics. <laughs> I thought, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's what people resort to. I mean, I understand not everybody has access and, and that sort of thing, but uh, anyway. Well, I think it makes a lot of people, well, it's on the market, so it's not illegal. Yeah. You know, it, it's that thing. It's it, justifying it. Yeah. Uh, I've known <laughs> it's enough. It's not illegal yet, so. And, you know, you have too, Phil. We've known enough formulators in the industry that they mix stuff together, and you're like, what? You know, you, yeah. you're not possibly qualified I remember once, and I might have said this in years past on the show, but once I was working with a guy who was, he put together a product, and I said, are you aware, I don't want to be the naysayer here, because all the yes men around the table were saying, this is the best thing since sliced bread, you know, and I'm like, are you aware that you've got a depressant and a stimulant in here? Very strong ones, and, you know, those could be counteracting each other. He goes, oh, Lonnie, Lonnie, Lonnie. He said, the stimulant brings you up, and the depressant smooths it out. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, this is so untested, you know, or the options could be they're counteracting each other or even creating some toxic, you know, um, interaction. I mean, food, drug and herb drug interactions are real. And uh, these guys just throw so much stuff together that I think the supplement industry, sometimes it has less side effects uh, as low as it is because they're quite low compared to real drugs because they underdose it. And they don't underdose it for consumer safety. They underdose it uh, because they can get more money per bottle. You know, it's just more profitable. It's just, uh, yeah, the way that these formulators throw stuff together can be pretty scary, though. Yes, it can. No animal data, you know. Yeah, right to humans. Yeah. Holy cow. No, and I mean, they, they go in on this, this article about, you know, he's quoted saying, you know, he found that supplement and he, he took some science classes I had a scientific background in school because I took some classes, even though I don't have a degree. Oh, boy. So I felt I was justified in putting this supplement out there. And me and some friends tested it for a few weeks. 
Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we we took some for a while, and our our heads yeah. didn't fall off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the four, you know. So okay. Yeah. Good yeah. and bad of the supplement world, I guess. Okay, let's go to break. We'll come back and we'll talk about your journey to the Junior Olympics. How about that? Yeah. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lonman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, and we're back. This is Bill Stevens again, and Lonnie. Um, you know, I'm I'm like Lonnie. I'm a bit highly caffeinated. I got in late last night. Got got in about three in the morning from flights from Detroit. From three fun-filled days at the Junior Olympics. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you what was your overall impression. It was good. It was good. Um, I'd have loved to. I wish I could have stayed longer. Um, because like tomorrow the Olympic weightlifting begins. Um. I think wrestling started today, stuff like that. But it was big. There were there was a lot of kids there. Um, a lot in. It was a huge hall, and there was four events going on at once. So those that get done, and now today new events are starting, and so on. Um, 
while I was there, aside from the powerlifting, there was the tumbling and trampoline and then competitive jump rope and then the, the crowd favorite of the, uh, the few days was the, the cup stacking, um, <laughs> which we had some, some nice jokes about while we were there. That's but, a uh, real trend, though. I mean, those kids are oh, they're amazing to watch, I'll be honest. Crazy. They are. I'm not buying, you know, it's the reason it's so big, I think, was because um, it's the most marketable. You know, they had the most sponsors. They had the cup companies there and crap like that. <laughs> Those so, crack me up. The cup companies, you know, that like yeah, okay, you know, that, like they that's were a selling the specialty cups for cup stack. <laughs> right. Um, so they had yeah. a bunch of money there and people selling cups for these various companies and stuff. So they had the most coverage and stuff like that, and um, as opposed to like powerlifting, which didn't. Um, <laughs> but well, on, uh, honestly, it sort of falls into the category. I mean, obviously, you have to be very dexterous to be able to do that, but. That's it's almost like, and again, some listeners might be offended by this, but you know there are there are sports that just aren't very athletic to me, like golf or bowling. You know they're more yeah. skill oriented, and that seems like what this is. I don't compared to something like powerlifting. It's almost, I mean, it's darn near a hundred percent just hand-eye coordination. It seems. Mm-hmm. It's really what it is, and the, I don't know. Their argument is it's it's great for other sports. It like enhances other sports. I'm I don't know. It's kind of I don't know how. Stacking cups is going to make a kid better at knocking the heck out of a baseball or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, the carryover, I would want to see some data on that. Yeah, so would I. And they were making some pretty outlandish claims. You know, they were showing these kids st- stacking cups, and then, then it cut to a video of somebody playing tennis. Um, and it was like, yeah. Different, different <laughs> skills. <laughs> yeah, you're reaching there. But it, it was pretty interesting. I mean, there were, there were kids up to, there was a 19-plus group, so there was some older people doing it. Um, oh, Resoundingly, the kids that seemed the best at it were about four foot five, because they were their their, their like chest was table height. Uh huh. So, um, but yeah, I mean, amazing to watch. Fast little, little cup stackers. So you said there's there was some nineteen plus year old category. This starts to blur with the Olympic Games, then, right? I mean, I see a lot of young people like in gymnastics in the Olympics, for example. Yeah, Junior Olympics it goes up to twenty three. Okay. The cutoff. Okay. So. Um, as far as powerlifting went, it went, we had two days, so I had an athlete both days. Um, the first day was kids 14 and up. Um, and there was some good lifting, good lifting. I mean, it, there was both. Uh, there was some, there was some obvious just coaching errors and kids that, that were, were being led by people that have, have no clue what they're doing. Like, okay, dad told me I'm going to power lift type of thing. Oh, boy. Um. But then there was also some awesome lifting. There was a 19-year-old, Matt Somer, came in and squatted 805 and deadlifted 725 at 19 years old. Holy cow. And that's raw. Yeah, just a belt. So he had a a 295 bench or something like that. But just super impressive. There's another 17-year-old that was right up there. I mean, in real high numbers. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, there was also some very impressive lifting at the same time. Um, and it was a good it was a good venue. I mean, they had a nice setup, really good equipment, all like Evanco match plates. And um, it was worth going to. We had a good time. Um, day one, my athlete did real well. Um, we took silver, but it was, it was kind of a – we missed gold on the last lift of the day. <laughs> so um, it, it was a fun one to coach, though, because the kids were so close. Um, in the squat, we had um, 
the the kid that we were going against was two going two and a half kilos up on us on lifts, and his second squat was he made it, but it was hard. Um, and so I was planning on you know following, and our our goal was to stay right with him on the squat as much as we could, and he made a twenty two pound jump after that really hard squat, and to me that was a bad idea, mm-hmm. um, the way the other one looked. So I just called our next jump instead of trying to stay close to him. I just went for the his last lift to tie him. Yeah. And luckily he missed like I figured he would. So we came out of the squat tied and then my kids a, was a stronger bencher than him. So we ended up coming out of the bench press and we were ahead. Um, and then, so our goal then, cause my, my kid was 14 pounds lighter than him. So if we tied, we would, we would win. Um, and so the first two deadlifts, we did just that and got the lifts and then all of a sudden, he came out with a 50-pound jump. And it was like, oof. And the only thing I could do is hope he was doing like he did on a squat. Yeah. So we called a reasonable lift that we could make, and he called this 50-pound jump, and he got it. And that was uh, that. Was that. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, my my lifter was his first competition in powerlifting, and so we came out well. On Phil, the night. how I, do you qualify then? I mean, you said there were just some d- excited dads and whatnot. I mean, this seems like a high... Level event? How? How? No, for this one, anybody can go. Um, oddly enough, and okay. but at the nationals, you have to qualify, okay. which is odd to me because this is a world meet. Yeah, but anybody can go. Um, but it is a meet. They have officials there, so you're able to break world and national records. Um, but yeah, I mean, it went well. It went well. I think I think that could be cool then. I mean, maybe that'll plant the seed in some young listeners if we've got them. You know, if it's not like a, you don't have to march for two years through some national hierarchy to make the junior yeah. Olympics. Give it a go. And it's, it's there's they have both equipped and raw. Um, yeah, it was it was a really well ran meet. Um, of course, it wasn't one of your. There wasn't death metal blaring and this and that due to the fact it was at a. You know, at AAU Junior Olympics venue. Right, yeah. But, you know, they had music playing. They really encouraged people to yell and, you know, get behind lifters and stuff like that. Good. So, why do you um, think. And you were able to compete with people from, you know, a bunch of different states and, you know, around the world. Right. So, why do you think the powerlifting is in the Junior Olympics and it's not in the, the regular Olympics? Ugh. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, you could ask the same question. Why is. Why is wrestling not going to be in the Olympics? Oh, that's your, or cup stacking, right? You know. No, you're right. Maybe so. it's a testing ground for <sighs> potential sports. I don't know. I, the only, I mean, when we talk about Olympics and powerlifting, I honestly think what stopped powerlifting from getting there is equipment. Yeah, okay. I think, I think if it goes, it'll have to be raw because there's too many variables. Oh, you said and that you, before, yeah. You don't see that much. You don't see another sport where... Equipment pays that big of a role, right? In the athlete's ability, you would think. I mean, it, yeah, there's the, there's the new swimming suits and stuff like that that cut off a second here and there, but yeah, that's that's a lot different than 300 pounds, you yes. know, yeah, and things like that. So, um, and it, it just takes so much time to test all the equipment and make sure it was up to standards and this and that. Whereas if you gave them a belt. And you know some knee wraps, there you go. You know, go for it. Well, that's what so. I'm thinking, right? You would think that. Like what you said, basically raw in the Junior yeah. Olympics. Why don't they just belt only? Or you know, yeah. I don't know. 
Exactly, and that's you know it was. I was a little sad. I have nothing against equipment, but when you like, there was an eight-year-old lifting full equipped, and it was like ah, it, it, it's got to be a little early. You know, you got kids handling super maximal loads for their body. You know, that doesn't have the structure behind it and stuff like that. It's just something I don't agree with. But um, developmental, yeah, you just yeah, you don't. I'm I'm all for strength training for young children. But, you know, I don't max my guys a lot. Um, and when we do go for maxes, it's usually easy maxes. And now you're talking about taking a kid and putting su- super maximal loads on them type of thing. You know, and especially it's, it's, when the equipment, the equipment could be serving as the support that maybe other tendons and ligaments should be used as the st- stabilizers or... Exactly. Yeah. And things like that. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was like anything else. And there was... But, I mean, all in all, I was pleased. And, and we'll go again. I think we're going to have more athletes next time. I've already got a bunch of them interested in going now, now that we kind of cut the, cut the ground with it. And awesome. You know, day two, um, as expected, my little athlete came in and just rocked the, rocked the world. So we ended up uh, coming in and... We didn't even use the kids in his weight class as our measuring stick. We we shot for the kids in the weight classes above him. Oh. So um, he was ending squats that kids 50 pounds heavier than him were opening with and things like that. So we easily we easily took home the gold, and we actually beat the kid that was in the weight class heavier than him. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so it was a really good day for that. And uh, um, he got PRs all the way across the board, 12 years old. He deadlifted two. 32, um, squatted 187, benched 110, and you're talking a kid that weighs, he weighed in after eating with his clothes on at 109 pounds, so. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, pretty impressive <laughs> for a cool. 12-year-old. That's cool. And yeah, it was, a lo- it was a lot of fun, and you know, that was probably the best part was seeing, day one was fun, day two was, was awesome, because that was kids six years to 13 years old and yeah. seeing the excitement on some of these little seven and eight year olds as they're come up to the platform and they're stomping and yeah, I'm going to get this, you know, and they jump under a squat bar and, you know, they're trying to act like dad and, or coach, right. you know, and getting all fired up. It, it's neat seeing that next generation come up. Well, especially at such, at such a high level. I mean, just the fact that it's, uh, you know, Olympics related. Uh, yes. That's got to be, that would be exciting for an adult to be honest. Yeah. You know. Exactly, and you know, being able to their chance to win, bring home a gold medal and stuff like that, and um, you'd see him miss a lift, you know, a little seven-year-old missed a lift, and he'd start balling and come over here, and then they come back and get it and stuff like that. It was it was pretty neat. Those are and, good uh, lessons. Get back up. Yeah, right? in general, it was, and that that's one thing I was really proud of because I've been to meets where there's been young kids, and they'll squat two or three inches high, and the judges kind of look at each other and go ahead and give it to them, and there was none of that. It was like, no, you're being held to a standard. Absolutely. There were a couple of them that just got totally bombed out. Um, And, of course, you know, that was crushed them a bit, but it was, was, in in my opinion, better for them tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. So, and, you know, most of them came back then and came back and got it, you know, on their next lift. And it 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 was good lessons all across the board, and I think everybody enjoyed it, enjoyed it thoroughly. But, um well, that's very yeah, good. it was a good time. It was a good time. A lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, the, the trampoline and the tumbling and stuff like that. It was just a neat environment to be around where 
you were just around a ton of athletes and young athletes and kind of seeing the, uh, we always hear all this talk about, oh, this generation is just sitting in front of TVs playing games and stuff like that. This was the opposite of that. Yeah. You know, you were around hundreds of kids that are just into fitness. And it was, it was a neat atmosphere to be in. Um, I think it'd be neat for anybody, even if your kid's not going to compete in it, just go watch it. Um, to kind of light, kind of light a fire into them and, you know, show that there is a, there is a good side to, to exercise and fitness and stuff like that. Where so, is it next we, year, did you say? It's going to be in Des Moines, Iowa next year. Okay. So, and like I said, I know we're going to have at least four people going up this time. And not bad. I mean, seeing as it goes up to 23 years old, at least in powerlifting, that's pretty, you know, there's some, some, some young juniors and stuff like that that can still go and, you know, set some records. But I think yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, there's your Iron Radio call-out, people. If you're a young, if you're a young competitor, you want to give it a shot in Iowa next year. Give Coach Stevens a call. <laughs> yeah, come on up. Heck yes, heck yeah, I'll be there. And uh, you know, my little my little girl turns six this year, so she's going to be going. So awesome. she was too young, but uh, I was already checking the records for, and uh, they're doable. So we're gonna we're gonna take a shot at them. <laughs> the numbers must seem very funny to you, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. doable, you know. Ooh, 45 pounds, pounds, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the bench was 49 pounds, the squat's like 68. Yeah. yeah. But when you're two foot one and weigh 35 pounds, so... That's right, that's heroic. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so... <laughs> Good. No, it was pretty awesome. I, like I said, I wish I was able to stick around and see, um, you know, the, the Olympic weightlifting, the track and field. Um, they just added in a, like a combine type thing this year. Um, where it was 40-yard dash, maximum strict pull-ups, max power cleans, um, and something else. So kind of an all-around deal, and they were trying to get athletes from multi-disciplines to come in and test each other uh, against each other. And, you know, that'd be, that'd be a fun one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. It's just, you know, a way to get kids out there being active doing something fun. Yeah, the AAU is not an organization I hear of as much as I as I did when I was a kid. You know, in the old yeah. days and stuff. It's good to see they're still organizing stuff. For sure, I'd love to see the powerlifting, and, and I, I don't know about the Olympic weightlifting, but I'd love to see more people come. Um, geez, there was probably a total of fifty over two days. Mm-hmm. I mean, one would expect at least double that. I mean, seeing as it's a it's global. Absolutely. You know? That's right. So, I mean, there were the, the sad part, though, was there, it was held in Detroit, Michigan this year. There was one lifter from Michigan. So I don't know how much that was done. It just bad PR, you know, and not getting the word out or what. I um, see what you're saying. Yeah, the, the home crowd just not represented there. Yeah. I mean, there was a bunch of lifters from Oklahoma and some from New York. And, you know, we came up from Kansas. But... You know, I would expect if I can get 60 lifters from around here to meet, you know, why can't they get 40 or so from at least nearby and then and then the others coming from from a distance. And it wasn't outrageously expensive. It was I think it was 50 bucks to sign up. So Yeah, this sounds very inviting to me. You know, that's big yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you have the chance to go in and break some records and this and that and the neat thing I liked, well, the, I liked it and I didn't um, AAU has their own records, which is awesome. Yeah, they it seems like they shop out the who runs the meet. Like this year, it was Virginia Powerlifting. Um, 
So I don't know how much of that played into the fact that not a lot of people came. Because I don't know, I, I don't think Virginia Powerlifting is a really big organization. You know, it's a state powerlifting. Oh, now, how does that work? There's so many organizations, and I'll tell you, bodybuilding is getting very fractured too, but if you compete yeah. in one, do you disqualify yourself if you compete in another? You don't, do you? No, okay. no. Okay. Not, not in powerlifting. I mean, you just, uh, like, you can't set a record, and I can't compete in USAPL and set a record over here. You know, and stuff like that. And uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I would have expected a, one of the larger organizations to, uh, and I don't know why they wouldn't, latch on to that, a, you know, the really big USAPL. or You know, Phil, um, maybe you should contact them, and we'll just put a little ad in the show. I mean, that's a public service kind of thing, you know? <laughs> Get the yeah, word out a little bit. Because you're right. Uh, that seems like a, like you said, it's global. It's Related to the Olympic Games, for God's sake, you know. Yeah. Let's get the word out. And it was expertly. I mean, and I'm not trying to put down the VPL or whatever Virginia Powerlifting. I mean, they ran it expertly. Yeah. It was very top-notch equipment with great judges and um, you know stuff like that. I'd just love to. I'd, I'd love. I'd love to see more lifters and stuff like that. And I, I don't know the reason behind that. And you know, like I'm saying, it could have been that. You know, maybe they didn't get the word out enough or what. Um, it, it'd be interesting, and who knows? I'll see who runs it next year. But you know, I know they had to go like they were rushing to get records done and stuff like that. They had to get records from AAU, and 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 uh, there do seem to be pockets, though. You know, like you said, you could you could get fifty competitors in an event. Uh, yeah, and I, and I know again, I I know bodybuilding is a different sport, but like you'll see where there's an NPC rep like Christine that we had on the show recently. She's very active. Her shows are growing. Yeah, it really calls for individuals that are motivated yes. to get you know oh, their yeah. pockets to expand. Uh, I, it's not. It's just not uniformly popular. I mean, powerlifting. You know, that's not basketball, baseball, football. No, exactly. It's not a huge sport, and you gotta for any of this stuff. You have to be event wise. You have to really try. You can't just expect to put up a flyer and a bunch of people are going to show up. Right. You've got to shove it down people's throats. (laughs) (laughs) In true powerlifting fashion. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, so I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess this is my call out. I'd love to see some more people check it out and come to Des Moines. Even parents. You know, if you're a dad out there or a mom, yeah. Get your little. One. I mean, yeah, even crowd wise, come support them. They cost like ten bucks to get in for the day, so I mean, it's not like it's a huge investment to come watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, I signed up as a coach, and I got in. I got a T-shirt and a goodie bag, and blah blah blah. And I got in for all the days, and I did. Four, I think it was forty bucks to get into it. But. Mm-hmm. No, that's actually great advice. If you go, if you're wondering, should I get my kid into this, or if you're a young person and you're wondering, should I do this, go watch one year. And then you'll, yeah. you'll get bit by the bug, and you'll have that critical experience. You'll know what you're getting into. Yeah. Well, and as far as kids went, it's the best It's the best meet I've been to because it was all kids. Whereas usually if I, I've had some kids lift in various federations, and they're like the only kid. And it's not as much fun for them then. Right. But if they're competing against nothing but other kids, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun um, in that way. I mean, it wouldn't be a good place for, like, I don't even know if I was like 24 if I'd lift it. Because you'd be the you'd be the twenty plus guy, yeah, you know, yeah. with a bunch of twelve year olds, exactly. So, but it was awesome for them, yeah. Because I don't know of another venue that that has that. Aside from, you know, I imagine their national event and stuff like that does, which is something we're going to look into too. Is you know going to the nationals. I think both of my lifters qualified, so 
um, you know, check that out. But that's fun stuff. I didn't even know you were out there. That's good. That's cool. Yeah. Went out there and checked it out for a few days. All right, everybody. Uh, well, I'm, uh, I don't want to cut you off here. Uh, I'm, I'm destroyed. <laughs> I am su- sucking on tea, hot tea, trying to keep... Oh, okay. I'm ready for a nap, too, man. And uh, get my normal. But, so. no, that's really cool. I didn't know you had done that. And, like I said, that sounds really fun. Like you said, it, that's quite an endorsement out of Coach Stevens. This is the best one you've seen, you know, for the kids. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll get something exciting for you guys. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount. However, obviously I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place. That's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.